Warning, the following content occasionally contains adult themes and language, which is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Cinematic Rewind. Joining me today to talk about The Matrix is Munster. Hey, what's up everybody? And Regent. Do you know Kung Fu? No. This is not a movie I have a whole lot of experience with. I've seen like bits and pieces of it throughout like the years, even from when I was a kid. I've seen bits and pieces of it, but never actually sat down to watch the whole movie in its entirety. So it was definitely an interesting experience to say the least. And I will say it definitely encapsulates the 90s very, very well. While not too strongly leaning on some of the tropes that I hate too much about the 90s slash 80s films which is very good i want to ask both of you what's your history with the film and i'll throw that to you first monster hey get ready (laughs) i've got a rich history with this film going back to when i was a wee old child back in the 90s i remember when this movie was coming out i couldn't convince my family to immediately go watch it and i think it was because of the sci-fi they and it's kind of hard to go back and really think of it as a sci-fi but growing up my parents would definitely would looked at it been like and eh, nah, we're not really into those films and i remember convincing them to rent it on blockbuster vhs tape i believe especially at that time they enjoyed it and i fell in love with it i was like oh my gosh this thing is amazing and from there i re-watched it plenty Plenty of times did like a deep dive once I got into college even deeper into the film some of the bigger pieces because I can go on forever so I'm trying to do the bigger highlights and I would definitely want Regent to fill in the gaps because I know he definitely saw a huge part of the like the cultural aspect of it but I'll just kind of stick to my particular one and then when we do the bigger cultural impact you just let me know when you're ready for that on my specific part was after I watched it I couldn't convince once again I couldn't convince my parents to see the sequels but I was hyped for the sequels so as soon as they were able to be rented I was able to convince them to let me rent it I, I watched them back to back even at that time I loved the first film but I was kind of like on the fence about the sequels because I felt the sequels didn't necessarily live up to what the first film and this is back so at that time I was like 12 so even at 12 and 13 I was very critical of the films but I enjoyed with out in the media head there was a lot of things that the the world was definitely like parodying and stuff like that from the film but otherwise i had i want to say every few years i watched all three of them so on this most recent watch i definitely have a lot probably more than i ever thought i would say about the film so it's going to be a lot and i'm gonna try my best not to take up too much time to talk about it but that's my initial intro okay okay so definitely a rich history if you're holding back yeah Okay, and what about you, Regent? What's your history? See, I was able to convince my parents to go see the movie because I told my dad it was based around computer programming coding, which that's what my dad did growing up. And he's like, oh, okay, I'm like, yeah, there's fighting. And my, my dad and I watched like the older Bruce Lee movies growing up. So another fighting martial arts movie. So he was like, okay, yeah, we can go see it. Once we were like watching everything and there was actually like gun violence, my dad kind of kind of taken aback that I got him to take me to see a movie that had that much extra violence, even though I've watched other action movies well before this ever came out. I would say outside of that, I know me and my circle friends really wanted to go see it because it had looked, at least from a generic fan point of view, not really critical that it 
it looked cool and the, the idea of computer technology and the humans cross integration and fighting over control was a really cool concept i would have to agree with monster 2 on the sequels i was kind of excited to go see matrix reloaded for i was hoping for more fighting more like hand-to-hand combat fighting and then the third movie i by then i just was not really interested like i completely lost interest to see the third one when they started releasing trailers i really do also believe it's because other movies were coming out with sequels like lord of the rings and other top movies around that time that really gathered my attention but yeah basically my my history that was 1999 so that would put me at 11 so that would be fourth to fifth grade somewhere in somewhere in that range but yeah i'm i'm holding back too because there's just a lot of extra stuff after this movie came out that we can definitely talk about once we get through the movie okay yeah and i'd like to add whenever we get to and we can transition if you want to into that is that i think the same thing with regent the cultural impact the film had is also part of our history with it it just overlaps so much so that's why it's kind of hard to separate the two is like oh what's your history with the film without also talking about the impact it had on everything else well, I've already briefly talked about my history of the film, so why don't we transition over to its cultural impact, and you guys can just take it away, whoever wants to start. All right, I'll, I'll lead with this. It was everywhere. <laughs> what year were you born, Venture, again? 98. Oh, my gosh. So while you were one and two years old, just that whole 99, 2000s, it was everywhere. It was in so many movies. And from a cinematic standpoint, you hit the nail on the head about the 90s thing. Even when I rewatched again, I was like, this was just the culmination of everything from the 90s. Everything that all the action films, the music, I even saw inspiration from Blade that we covered here on the podcast before. Just different things like that where I just saw it all come together into the film. And I was like, yeah. And to also give it credit that it did introduce new things. And after it introduced it, oh my gosh it was so many like copycat films and some of them did it well and some others was just it was so blatantly bad slow motion just got overused especially dodging bullets everybody was dodging bullets for like years on end the whole black clothing became nuts this was probably the worst thing that happened was the color scheme the matrix really pushed that whole different type of color palettes which can be a good thing from a cinematic standpoint but it was overly done for the next five to almost 10 years after the matrix it was ins- if you go back and watch new movies from 2000 to 2005 i feel like half of them just copied the matrix and so many different things so that's kind of like the the good to medium of some of the better things that it did otherwise from a range and wide scope I mean, it was in video games, it was in comic books, it was just in so many different things. And when it comes back to me, I didn't really play the video games. I wasn't really interested in them, but I love the pop culture references because MTV parried it a lot, VH1, different types of music videos, even Keanu Reeves. I feel like people took him more serious than they already did. He was already becoming a little bit more respectable of an actor. And we'll we'll go over the film to some of his acting because I've I definitely want to critique some of that, but I feel like this was the push for him to be a better actor for movies after this. So it's it's one of those things, once again, I can go on forever, but I definitely want to hand it off to Regent here. Two words. Mr. Anderson. My friends and peers said that all the bloody time to each other in school. Black on black, like sunglasses with duster jackets were really taking off. Like Monster said, parodies left and right. I mean, I think was Scary Movie 2 that did the the freeze frame with Anna Ferris and then doing the bicycle kick. 
It was both because in the first movie, that's when the uh, ghost face bent his back, you remember, and got his back stuck. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, both Scary Movie 1 and 2 parodied Matrix. I played the video game. I mean, I think there was a couple that came out for There's like a bunch of them because Reloaded was probably the most famous, but they had multiple ones. Yeah, I played the first one that was on PlayStation 2. Uh, that was the one where you could go to, you you could, you know, hand-to-hand combat, bullet time, shooting. Was that Jada Pinkett's one where she was the lead character? No, no, no. This was the one where you played as Neo and you talked to Trinity and Morpheus. I can't remember the actual name to the game. I think it's just The Matrix. Yeah, every every movie had a video game. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. The cool thing was you, you can go to Neo's office and there'd be computers and you could sit down and type in codes. So you could type in codes for like, you know, no damage or unlimited health or unlimited ammunition or faster motion, like better bullet time, like just obnoxious things to essentially break the game by their own intentions. So it really made it feel like you're having fun in the Matrix per se without, you know, seeing the movie or just enjoying it as an action game, which then ironically enough, Max Payne, I think think took the bull time mentality and ran with it and made it way more popular if my memory serves me right yeah and they did a good job with it because they they didn't try to treat it like it was a movie it was all in the video game idea ideology and it worked yeah outside of that just it popped up everywhere people were dotting those i don't know the actual name to the frames with the glasses but just that particular like look and then like the slick back hair black shirt black pants black shoes people were like making the jokes of like i know kung fu which that was like a turning point in the movie for neo's character and then the soundtrack the music i mean you had bands like rage against machine was on there rammstein prodigy rob zombie Marilyn manson that's kind of when in late 90s and early 2000s when what's called new metal and you hyphen m-e-t-a-l really was really picking up where it was basically metal music with a more european industrial sound kind of what monster and i when we were joking about when we were talking off recording about um blade because that's that was a heavy influence on the score for the movie yeah there was a huge huge push for a lot of obnoxious things in the late 90s and early 2000s because of this movie yeah to sum it up the matrix was a whole phase for the world all around for a couple years that was probably the biggest cultural impact we had now i do want to ask you venture uh, one more thing before we deep dive into the film now since you've heard all that and you probably already heard some stuff before and seen some things is that something that you kind of wish you got to experience no because like i'm not interested enough in this film like it's cool and all but like the idea is cooler than the film is if that makes sense no, that's totally fair. Yeah, I guess one last thing just for, for the two of us, me and Regent. I know for me, I loved it. I know we're going to critique the film, and it's not. And I'm not saying like, oh, I love the film. What I mean is I love the phase that we went through. It was just really cool to have something like that, that you could meet a stranger and have something in common with them and talk about the film. How, how do you feel, Regent, about that time period? Kind of a 50-50. Like, I mean, with my friends, it was fun. Um, we knew we were being, like, silly and obnoxious, but when it's, like, random people you've never met or you may have walked past them at, like, your local mall or movie theater and they're doing it too, you feel like you're part of a group, but then you also feel awkwardly weird because there are those fans that will take that fandom and go absolutely too far, whereas others want to enjoy the fandom for what it is and just, you know, make either make lighthearted fun of it or to just really embrace it and have a good time. Wait, there were people who took it too far? Like, people who thought they were, like... So when they dressed like Agent Smith, they literally thought they were Agent Smith. They literally thought that 
Oh, yeah, you definitely live in a different area than me. <laughs> I don't remember anyone ever taking it that serious. Like, they, there were people in my community that were admin about the movie to the point where they could actually quote it, like, like really quote it. Some people were just polarized by Hugo Weaving's portrayal of Agent Smith, that they thought they were literally Agent Smith, or as one of his minions, like, fighting against the heroes of the movie. I'm just like, take a pill. It's literally an action movie with technological background and premise to it. Just have fun with the movie. Like, me and my group friends were just yelling at each other like i know kung fu make random fighting motions and yelling effects and just laughing so here's the strange thing is i actually did get to experience some of that little bit of culture in the sense that my siblings were the people who got to watch the film growing up this was strangely enough one of the films we actually kind of were allowed to watch i still don't know how my parents decided rules the formula when it comes to you, your parents allowing you to watch stuff, I swear, that's just not a formula you can understand. <laughs> Look, man, the way I've described it to people is if my parents liked the film, we were allowed to watch it. Okay, that's more simple than I thought it would be. So here's a question for you, and I'm going to throw a little fact out there. Would you be more inclined to watch this movie, at least more thoroughly and more enjoyably, had Keanu Reeves not been offered the role? I don't think he would have changed the film that much for me, honestly. it's I like him in the role, but to me, he kind of was a nobody at that point, and I had to kind of go back and really find out who he was. And that's so strange to say, because he's in a lot now, but... He was in a lot back then, too. Yeah, back then, to me, he was like kind of just like somebody who was in the Matrix movie. And it wasn't until like the 2010s that I really start exploring like media and the film world in a little bit more of a deeper light. And so that's when I kind of realized who Keanu Reeves was. And So just FYI, to compare it, that would be like me for the first time I heard Panic at the Disco that I knew of like a year ago. And I would have been like, oh, I don't think they were much of anything beforehand because I just now heard of them. It's the same kind of scenario with Keanu. It's like, that's understandable. You're new to him, but he had a whole, he had a large, you know, like a library even before The Matrix. That's why he was given such a big role. That was a huge role to be offered in Hollywood. Now, the reason why I'm asking that question is, is because he wasn't even the first choice. He was literally the fifth or sixth choice. So based on the way they were looking for the character or an actor to play Neo, Wachowski siblings wanted Johnny Depp as the first choice. The studio wanted Will Smith. Will Smith turned it down for Wawa West. It's still so funny to think about because that's a famous story. He, he tells that story a lot, how he turned that down for Wawa West. He openly regrets it and has grown from how to process a script and how to be a character and then a better, like, mature actor. After he turned it down, Nicolas Cage turned it down. And honestly, with all the bull time and the I know Kung Fu and all the things going on, that would have been a huge indicator of Nicolas Cage for what he has become now with the movies that he's been putting out in the last couple of years. I'll tell you right now, the movie would not be the same without Keanu. I, I'll go ahead and say that right now. Warner Brothers wanted Brad Pitt or Val Kilmer, and then they both turned down, and then Leo DiCaprio accepted it, but then walked away from it because he didn't want to do another effects movie visually after the Titanic coming out. So all the 90s picks were there then. Yeah, and then the film producer, Lorenzo Di Bonaventura, tried to get Sandra Bullock to sign on and change Neo into a female. With those picks, I can say, yes, the film would have been pretty different. I had no prior knowledge to who else would have been in the role. So with those picks, yes, the film would have been pretty different. And I don't think in the best way. 
Yeah, I would like for you to lead off. It definitely sounds like you don't really like the film that much, or you're just not a fan of it. And I would definitely like to know why. It's just not something that grabs my attention, and I think it is because of like those classic '90s tropes and feel to it. I just can't really get into a '90s action film, and it's mainly just due to the way that like action is presented. It's usually like very over the top, and I get that that's the point of this film is that they can really do anything that they want. To me, it's just presented in a way where one is it unbelievable, yes, but you can see why in the film it just doesn't feel like there's a lot at stake even though yes they can die in the real world but it's like I, I don't know there's just something about the film that just doesn't immediately pull me into the action because of how over the top it is and I get that that's ironic because of the premise of the film could it also be from a place of I don't want to say like realism per se but there's not enough realistic weight behind it to put any tension or oh crap I want to know what's happening next because it could legitimately happen in the sense that it could happen in reality or what because it, cause it's digital first and it affects physically second. Yes. So as far as that is concerned, I'm not sure how to answer that just because I'm not sure I understand why I don't enjoy the film as much as some people do. I guess I just can't get into the action of 90s films. There's just something about 90s actions that just seem like there's a disconnect between the current generation versus the generation who watched them. Do you even like action films? I do, but... Give me one action film you like that's not superhero-based. I thought The Gray Man was decent. I don't have any point with you that's not MCU or DC-related that's an action film that I can think of. The close I can think of is You Enjoy Jumanji. That's more adventure than action, and it's also based on Robin Williams. So that's why I'm just kind of curious on action film in general. Actually, now that you mention it, I don't go out of my way to watch those. I mainly just watch films that I'm like, okay, that looks like it has an interesting premise versus like, it's an action film, I'll watch it. Because any action film, even modern ones, I just, I need there to be a draw as to why it's interesting beyond just the fact that it's a cool action movie with your favorite stars. Like there has to be something else that grabs me. And action films, I feel like just don't do it for me because it's just like a punch or bullet fest. Oh, yeah, that's what make them action. Like, that's the tough part. You know? <laughs> I get that, but that's just not enough draw for me. No, that's fine. That's, I wasn't critiquing it in a bad way, but that's also what makes them so successful is that they are a cinematic ride. And that's why a lot of the action movies, that's why action movies typically are hit or miss. Either you like it or you don't. It's really hard to be in the middle. It's it's like, uh, I'm not really a fan. I probably won't watch again. Or, man, this was pretty dope. I could watch it sometime again. And that's usually how they are. I am a huge action person. I will watch a B-movie action film in a heartbeat. <laughs> so I, I could talk a lot about them, but I will give you credit. That's why I was talking about, like, this is a culmination of all the 90s action films. You find every single bit of it. The cheesy one-liners, the bullets. <laughs> why are you going to a gunfight with shades i mean it's just <laughs> like, the other thing is like when i was watching this again i was laughing at different times because i was like why the fuck are you going in with a cloak but here's the thing if you want to be like well the cloak hides your weapons there's a reason why the military doesn't have cloaks is because you want your weapons on your body not swinging around on a coat if you have a gun inside of a cloak like that or whatever or like those big coats that they're wearing your weapons are flying around smacking you like it, it's not <laughs> it doesn't make sense where you're walking so when i was watching those scenes i was like 
from a tactical sense that makes no goddamn sense. Why did y'all come in there with all that clothing? So you just watch it for the action. That's what it is. And funny story on that whole like cloak thing. So growing up, like I said, I did get to experience some of that culture. And my brother had a long black leather trench coat, like floor long. And it had pockets on the inside. And he had it for like cosplay of sorts for like a party. And I work for a cosplay of mine of Doctor Who. And anything you put in there, if you did any sort of movement, not only were you the shit that you put in there coming back to hit you, the trench coat was getting in your way of mobility. It's just completely impractical. Thank you. Exactly. Every time I watch it, I'm like, you cannot convince me that that made sense. The best you can say was it was to hide weapons. But let's be honest here. They knew, especially when you watch the film, they know why you're there. They're knowing that you're going to infiltrate. You're not even really infiltrating. You're going through the fucking front door to fight. So it just, it was like, why? Like, what were you going to be hiding? They know you're coming with guns and they know you're here to, to fight them. So yeah. And if you're really in a simulation, why do you need to even hide them? Just code wherever you're about to go because they can do this. They've done it. Change the code of the matrix a little bit to be like, oh, yeah, there's weapons waiting for you right outside of where you need to enter this building. <laughs> you could have it right to the left of the front door. You take out a rocket launcher that's in the wall, you know, <laughs> and it's like exactly I... a loot chest. <laughs> yeah. Make this shit like an RPG. There's a loot chest right outside that door. And it's a demon coming to attack you when you open it up. But yeah, it's like, I, I guess I just can't get into him. That's for one thing. And um, I guess that applies to this film as well. And that would actually explain quite a, quite a lot of my takes on 90s action films. And I do think that the reason why certain people like them and others don't, I think most of the people that enjoy 90s or just action films in general grew up with action films being like a newer thing. Well, to be fair, real quick, I would rather, at least with my experiences, I'm the exact opposite. I will pick an action movie over rom-coms and Western movies any day of the week. It doesn't mean that I won't watch them, but action movies definitely get my attention a lot more just because I do like watching the choreography and the skill of the actors actually trying to commit to it. However, per your last comment, the 80s and 90s part, that was kind of the golden age for us of movies was action movies. Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you've had... See, okay, right quick, Regent, you brought in something huge that I actually forgot about. See, we grew up in a time where you had action stars. In the past 10 years, who's even considered an action star? At best, you can say The Rock, but I still kind of put him more towards the, the 2000s because that's when he more started it. So I wouldn't even necessarily claim him as this generation because he started way before now. But in the past 10 years, how many people are like action stars? Marvel. Exactly. You For me and Regent, gosh, we had like 20 plus action stars and they were called action stars. Yeah, you had movies like Terminator 1 and 2. I'm not talking about 3 and 4 and 5 I'm, or 6. Don't come at me with that. You can definitely go on a long list. Like just action movies alone, we can go over like the history of it. It's just the fact that action movies in the 80s and 90s. Oh, shoot, I forgot about Bruce Willis. But when it comes to action movies, that was the movie to go see in the theaters during the 80s and 90s because they were trying to basically push 
at least some of them, hey, these are real things that can happen in the real world. Someone's going to step up and save the day. Whereas other ones are, we're just going to beat the piss out of each other at a international tournament because it's an underground fight ring. Like at the time, they were definitely playing with the Likert scale of what is to be legitimate and what is over the top. And there are plenty of movies that are even more over top than The Matrix by far. And some of them even parry themselves as over the top. I think with The Matrix 2, what helped it also, kind of speaking of what Venture talked about, the negative for him, it was actually a positive because at that point in time, see, when you go back to watch it, a lot of stuff built upon what The Matrix did and did it better. But if you go back then to 99, that whole idea of like dodging a bullet was nuts. We never saw that before. The closest was like Blade when that vampire kind of dodged a bullet, which I will give them credit for doing that first. But it was still something different to where you're all you're doing is like moving your shoulders and then you're leaning back doing that that was the first time we ever saw that where it was like holy shit and even just some of the other stuff that they were doing like jumping across buildings leaping across like that to us when you see the film especially the very first time if you go back to when it first came out you're still in your mind you're not thinking these people are supernatural you're thinking these are just people with extraordinary abilities that's they're still they're still humans doing human type of stuff but they're just at the peak of of human ability and then it starts getting a little bit more crazier where it's like wait not even the best human could do that and that's what makes neo even more special and i think that's where it kind of is a disconnect for venture is if you're going back like you've seen stuff it's almost like you saw the ending before you saw the beginning if that makes sense you already know they're gonna have all these crazy powers so it doesn't seem as impressive where for us our benchmark was like when someone has so much adrenaline they could flip a car like to us that was nuts so that's why this film was like raising the bar at the time Right. And I totally understand that this movie raised the bar for cinema in a few different ways. Visually, action-wise, tropes that you carry on to later films. I'm not going to say acting because... Oh, the acting was horrible. Yeah. I think we can all agree across the board. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> this is not Lawrence Fishburne's exactly greatest outing. It's probably his most quotable. Yes. But he's done way better acting, for sure. Yeah, regardless of how much the movie impacted cinema as a whole, it's just not something that I'm into. But I do want to dive a little deeper into the film. And we can start with casting. We did talk about Keanu Reeves a little bit. But before this, what was like his biggest role before The Matrix? Speed was probably my most favorite. That was a big blockbuster. It would be, so for me, it would have to be Speed or it would be Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Every year he did a movie because uh, Regent, what was the one with back in the early 90s? He was the undercover guy. Um, they they were like beach bros, you know, they did all that kind of crazy stunt stuff. Oh, Point Break. Yes, Point Break. That was another big banger of a film. That was 91 because Bogus Journey was 91. Excellent Adventure was 89. You had Dracula movie. Yeah, Bram Stoker's Dracula is actually really good. Every year he was doing something pretty good. So back when we were talking about him being fifth or sixth, that is no insult. That was still something to brag about being fifth. Because think about it. When you look at the list of names we were talking about, even though people can kind of joke about Nicolas Cage now, Nicolas Cage is still in the history of Hollywood, one of the biggest giants to ever have been on the big screen. So, And that was definitely during his peak time. And he still wasn't even at his full peak. Nicolas Cage was still killing it. He still hasn't went over the hill back when back in the 90s. So for Keanu to be fifth or sixth, I mean, that's like, you get my point though. It's like still super crazy high uh, honor to be on that list. 
Yeah, it's. I guess I'm just like super unfamiliar with his catalog outside of like Constantine, The Matrix, and the John Wick films, and maybe a couple cameos here and there. I really know nothing about his other work. It's because Keanu's an action star. <laughs> That's what you, you're literally proving the point. He's an action star guy. Uh, actually, there was another movie he did that was kind of big before The Matrix, uh, The Devil's Advocate. Now, that was a good one. Now, that one's more drama. Yeah, or supernatural horror, technically. Yeah, that's true. Fair enough. But yeah, I, I guess that is exactly why I haven't seen it, is because it's action. Did you say Constantine Venture? Yes. Okay, good. That's a really good movie of his. It is. And they're making a second one. It's official. Yay. And then, of course, you've got the wonderful Lawrence Fishburne, which I'm familiar with some of his work. I'm not going to claim to know all of it. Yeah, he was someone that didn't get as much leading roles, if not anything I can think of immediately. He definitely was larger in like the more black focus films. And then he was able to cross over and become a supporting actor. Unfortunately, I don't feel like he ever surpassed that, but I do feel like he got paid more for his supporting acting roles. So I definitely don't want to disrespect him on that. He was in Nightmare on Elm Street Dream Warriors. Played Max in the movie. He was in Boys in the Hood. That was really good. Oh yeah, well, we don't necessarily have to go through his history. We don't necessarily go through his history. That's what I'm saying. He was in a lot of black films. I saw him in a lot of black movies. Trust me. And he—that's what I'm talking about. That's what happened during about the mid '90s. He was able to kind of cross over and start being in supporting roles for white movies. From there, you know, he's—he's been a respected actor, but he doesn't usually get leading roles. He just gets paid more. Uh, He's big enough name now that even if he's a supporting actor, he still gets paid a lot of money just to put his face in a film. But yeah, we don't need to necessarily dive into all the characters so that the podcast doesn't go too long because we still haven't talked too much about some of the plot points. I did want to bring up my favorite thing that Lawrence Fishburne is in is the Hannibal series, and I don't know if you guys have seen that. Are you talking about the Mads Balkson one? Yes, it's so good. I love that show. It's so good. But yeah, like Monster was saying, I do want to talk a little bit more in depth about the film. I really love the premise of this film being like, the whole world is a simulation and the real world is this barren wasteland. My thing is like, if you were trapped in the matrix and somehow you escaped and you got to see the real world, why the fuck would you want to live in the real world? That shit's terrifying. There's nothing for you there. I get freedom. That's where I feel like the movie is a genius in because it showed you both sides. Because the the guy who was a traitor, he was in the same kind of concept. He was like, I I don't want this. I want to go back into this. But he knew he couldn't just go back. Like, they wouldn't allow him to go back. So that's why he stabbed in the back and pretty much literally, too, for most of them to get the opportunity to go back. Now, I'm not necessarily saying, like, you should do that to go back. No. The movie has so many different elements. But to the point where I'm trying to get at is that's why I think the concept is so dope about the movie is it's still talked about to this day because you could you can see it. It's crazy 22 years ago, even more longer than that, how they had such a concept like that because I feel like every year it gets more and more into that type of idea. Like right now for us, it's like the concept of creating your avatar online, getting into social media, getting so and caught up in the video games different things to where your your identity is so online that you go back to the real world and you're like this sucks you know i don't have friends or you know i have to struggle with this or i got to deal with that i rather connect onto the internet and now i have a persona that i enjoy and it's one of those things that's i think it's it's a very interesting debate because you could argue just like what you're talking about well if you're in the real world if you're not happy if you're depressed but when you plug in you experience 
is happiness. And that's where it's like, I can see the argument where it's like, well, do you unplug someone if they get to experience a happier life plugged in? We only have one life to live. So it's like, why force that person to deal with a depressing life where they experience happiness plugged in? And then on the flip side, you have some people that's like, no, I'd rather have the real and the raw and not be under something else's influence. I'd rather be in full control, even if it's not. I, here's the, usually what I usually hear. I want to have the choice. There you go. I want to have the choice and the freedom, even if it's not, quote unquote, the best. And I think it's a really cool concept that even today that we still talk and debate about now. The spookiest part about the Matrix is the fact that we're no longer just asking, like, what is the morally right thing to do? Like, leave people plugged in. We are now asking how close are we to this actually happening to some of the most brilliant minds on the planet. It's like, what's the possibility of this happening? And some of them say that, like, it's there, but it's not high yet, but it eventually will be a high chance. That's the scary reality. I mean, I don't deny it because not to go through my explanation again, but I think about social media sometimes or even some people who get really hooked on video games where it's like I, I like my online persona more than my real life. Yeah, it's definitely a great premise presented by this film. So I will never take that away from this film. It does a wonderful job of introducing a great idea for people to still talk about and debate to this day, like you've said. And it is enjoyable to watch it be played out. I almost wish that it wasn't as action-packed for me personally and just explored that idea a bit more of like reality versus the simulation. Yeah, I think it has. I, I think it has the right amount of action to keep you interested because here's where here's where the challenge is. When you make movies for the cinemas, this is this is one of the biggest challenges. I gotta give Hollywood their credit, at least in this. I think they make a lot of mistakes, but other times they do things right. I feel like what they did right about this was they pushed more of the action than the story. And from a money and marketing standpoint, it worked and it was smart. The challenge though is this is kind of like the artist challenge, especially as myself as an artist, I, I definitely understand this, where it's do I make art to be as much mindful thinking as I want or do I make art that makes me money? And lots of times it's really hard to find a middle ground. And I feel like that's what happened with this film is they could have definitely gotten more philosophical, but would have sold as many tickets. The answer is no, it would not have. This was not presented as a 90s action film. Back then, it would not have done as well. In the modern day, if you presented a film like this, I think critically it would have done well, but financially, no. What do you think, Regent? I mean, that's the beauty of film nowadays. We're looking at finances versus, you know, critical success. Like money, making a lot of money is one indicator that a movie is genuinely successful. But on the other side, if the fans actually go and actually enjoy it and the reviewers mutually enjoy it and both of them are on the same page, that's where you know a movie's been well made and actually designed to be entertaining and rem basically being remembered. Tell you one thing they definitely dropped the ball when they made the sequel. So I think any form of critique would have helped them. <laughs> Yeah, actual critique, and then if they were pushing the... I know Munson and I were talking this off recording. Had they actually... If they didn't try to put everything into the first movie and just take bits and pieces out and saved it for big points in the second and third movie, I think it could have done much better for the health of the series, both financially and critically successful, compared to other trios of movies that are coming out in the same timeline as them that they were going against. Yeah, that's right. Thank you for reminding me. So this is kind of how I explained it. The first movie, there's so much in the first movie that really feels like it was not meant to be a trilogy. One of the key pieces that I feel like what screwed them over when it went to make sequels was the ending where he, he went to fly. 
It just shows that was too big of a jump for that ending of a film if you're going to have a trilogy. If it's a one-off, cool, that's fine. You're showing like his capability. But after all the build-up to the movie, what he was able to do right before the ending, I think, was perfect. But once you have, and plus there's other flaws, but what I mean is like the, the power scaling. Let's talk power scaling. The ending where he kills the agent. Like that, to me, was perfect. It was like these agents was already looking like they were impossible to kill, and then he killed one from the core. And it was like, oh my gosh, yeah, this dude, he is the one. But showing him flying, that's why when they did the second one, they were like, crap, well, we can't pick up from there. We got to pick up from him flying. So now we got to show him having like these godlike powers. This is sometimes the issues when you give people so many powers. I mean, that's why sometimes it's hard to write a Superman movie, is that once you give them too many powers, it's hard to show them struggling or what they have to challenge. I think that's one of the biggest flaws that happened. But part two is just like Regent was talking about, is if they were trying to make a trilogy, which once again, I don't think they were. I think because it was so commercially successful, they kind of went back and was like, okay, make this into a sequel. They hit too many plot points in the first one. And then they tried to, well, let's well let's explain some of these big plot points. But it was like kind of pointless because you kind of introduced it in the first and you, you explained enough of it where it was like, well, we kind of don't need further detail. So I think that's just like he was talking about is that that's what hurt the, the remaining films. Yeah, that to me has always been a problem when you have high-powered heroes, especially like you mentioned Superman. I can't get behind a Superman film because when you have a godlike figure, it's so hard to make them struggle. And for this film, what are they going to do? Throw in an overload agent? Yeah, I mean, the beginning of the second film, okay, how do we top him flying? Well, have him fight like a hundred agents. Okay. <laughs> it was like, it was just dumb. From all angles and overhead and underneath, too. The power creep is real in The Matrix. I've only seen bits and pieces of the second and third film. All I just remember is that there were a million agents that looked exactly like Agent Smith. With PlayStation 2 graphics. The best parody of that was the MTV, I think it was the movie award. Yes, yes. <laughs> I love that one. And it was Jimmy Fallon and Justin Timberlake. And he's like, Mr. Timberlake. And they... You just hear like Jimmy like running at him fighting Timberlake and they're all like trying to give him compliments and like, oh, nice suit, nice glasses, nice haircut. Hey, nice suit. And like they're literally just talking over Timberlake because he's trying to fight with all different fighting styles and like throwing the Fallons around. Yeah, so I actually messed up. It's not Jimmy Fallon and Justin Timberlake. It's Sean William Scott and Justin Timberlake. What a time to be alive. <laughs> Goofy as hell, but it was just so fun to watch all the parodies of this film. Oh, so I do want to talk about one piece of the the film that I really noticed on this rewatch. So I've seen this movie plenty, plenty of times. Every time I start to watch it, I feel the same way is that I'm like, why do I even like this film? Like the movie starts off weird and it doesn't feel as engaging. About a third way in, it starts shifting. And then halfway, I just start loving the film. And I feel like the, the second half is way better than the first half. And I really noticed it this time. I noticed one of the things was in the first 10 minutes of film, essentially that whole intro to the film, it really, I, I watched the HD version and it looks really bad. It looked like this was the first scene they filmed. They didn't have enough budget and they were like yo this is going to kind of be the the test film the the demo tape that we're going to send to studios to fund this film that's the way it really felt like that first centerpiece and then through the rest of the film it was like oh okay we, we're better at filming we're better at cinematography we've got better stage equipment we got more funding and then by the end of the film it all came together or at least in the final 
quarter of the film, it all came together. And the final quarter of the film looks like a really well-made movie. I don't know if you all noticed that, but it was very apparent on this recent watch for me. The one thing I noticed visually is because when I watch an older film, I just expect them to have like bad effects. So that way I'm not rating it based off of the visual effects of the film. But there's one scene in particular that really, really stood out to me. And that's when he's like meeting them under the bridge. He's got that little belly button robot inside of him. Did any of you guys watch the 4K version? No, I watched the HD. Regent? I have the 4K version. Did you watch it for this version? No, I watched the Blu-ray version. Okay, do me a favor, if you guys can, it's on HBO Max and 4K, go watch that scene. The water flowing over the bridge appears to be in 60 frames while the rest of it is in 30. Actually, it hurts your eyes to watch. Like, I was sitting there watching it with Alex, and I'm just, like, blinking rapidly. I'm like, ah, no. (laughs) It looks horrible. Like, the water overflowing in the bridge in the background is so clean and crisp. It looks amazing, but everything else looks horrible. Okay, do this for me. Go back and watch the very beginning of the film, and it looks like a stage play with bad green screen effects. You're and not yes, wrong, you, you, Okay, and you can critique that because the second half of the film does have better CG. So I do respect and understand what you're talking about where it's like when you watch an older film. But at that time, a lot of those graphics were actually pretty good, especially like the slow motion. You could tell they put more money into that. That actually looks very fluid even for today. But that, I'm telling you, that beginning of the film, it just looked like everything was bad. The editor sucked. The green screen screen suck the stage really looked like cardboard i'm surprised regent hasn't chimed in you you don't have an opinion on the quality of the film overall i mean re-watching it now versus back then yeah absolutely the the actual staging and equipment you could definitely tell it was dated for the technology in the 90s like i can't run on that but they also had to do it in majority was in australia for predominant of production filming so i wonder if they couldn't get everything from the studio that they wanted in the states over there or they had to use like a subsidiary company production studio over there and use what equipment they had I have an idea. So you mentioned earlier that they started the film with Leonardo DiCaprio, right? Do you think they ever got to start filming? No, he backed away like right before filming began. Okay, because uh, my original idea was that they started filming some of the scenes without him, like the beginning scenes, and then when they got when he left the project, that they had to basically continue with what they already had and then start with Keanu. That was my original thought, but since you threw that in there. No, I think that can still be true. Because I'm telling you, when I rewatch the movie, it happens to me every time. The beginning just feels so boring. It feels like a different movie, especially when I think about the set pieces in the first part of the film and location is like yeah i could see that because keanu doesn't really show up till a while into the movie Uh, i'm not saying like it's so far into it but you know what i mean like um i forget her name but she she's the focus of the first portion of the film and it's kind of the establishing piece her fighting the agents running across the building so about the first 10 to 12 minutes i could see them filming that while they were still getting all the kinks out wouldn't it be funny if that's what they filmed last and they were like oh shit we need a beginning of the film quick go do this Sometimes it's that way. <laughs> it is, Mike, Michael Bay is horrible for that because Michael Bay doesn't know how to show a story. <laughs> <laughs> explosions is Michael Bay, basically. I mean, I think he gets off to explosions. They'll get to the editing room and they're like, yo, did we ever explain why A plus B equals C? Shit. All right, we're going to go film it right quick. <laughs> 
literally that's what i thought when watching the film is like it felt like there was a disconnect between the beginning and the rest of the film because even if you want to take it apart visually and technically that's one thing the disconnect for me is actually like there's no explanation as what the fuck is going on in the beginning of the film it's just kind of like here's the action go there's no setup it's just three two one go that's it yeah it really feels like you're watching a different film Mm-hmm. It feels like I'm watching the trailer for the movie I'm about to watch. I wouldn't even give it that much credit. <laughs> I feel like it's weaker than a trailer. A TV spot. <laughs> yes. Yes. There you go. It feels like a TV spot where you're just like, uh, okay. Here's a snippet of the film you're going to watch and watch out. This won't be in the rest of the film. But yeah, that's basically my thoughts on the film. I think it's good for what it offers, like philosophically, like the idea is great behind the film. I think the execution for me is just not there. And I think that is solely due to me just not enjoying action films as much as some people do. And that's not a negative to say on the film. That's just more so of like my personal taste and what I enjoy in cinema. Yeah, and I can give it credit for the impact it had because I saw it firsthand. But outside of the concepts, the movie itself has not aged well at all. You can probably pick one or two scenes where you're like, okay, the bullet scene and then maybe something else where you're like, okay, this aged well. But everything else, I'm like, no, no, it is to me, which is kind of probably insulting someone my age. But I'm like, that's an ancient film. You know, like like this is an archival movie. Like, oh, yeah, that was a product of its time. But that's it. As you can see, none of us ever talked talked about the one that was released two years ago no need moving on uh do you guys want to give your final wrap-ups or were there anything else you wanted to add yeah so the movie at least for the time period was a fantastic movie later later on in life as technology advanced and got better and studios were putting more focus in the quality films while trying to maintain a coherent story you could definitely tell the movie was a product of its time and affected an entire generation of fans that enjoyed good action movies and somewhat of a good story i would probably give this movie an eight out of ten at best monster I would say this movie is one of the few movies that I feel is on extreme ends. It did a lot right, and it also did a lot wrong. This also is a movie where you would think I would also give it credit for nostalgia, but really not really. It, it's a movie that to me is it's a product of its time, and I do have a rich history with it, but I also don't have like a lot of nostalgia because it, it was an entertaining film, but I actually have no personal connection to the film at all. So with that, I will give it two scores. Normally we do like a nostalgia one, but for me, it's not nostalgia. I would say at the time of when it came out, I would definitely give it an eight. But now I would give it a seven at the most. And I can go in and say, I do not want to review the other ones because I think they're like three and four. You know, number two is four and then the third one's three. So I'm giving the first one a lot of credit in like today's time. I do feel like seven is giving it high. But I also do want to give it credit that a lot of the movies nowadays is a product because of its success. And I'm going to go with a six and a half to seven as well for cinematic purposes. I think that the film did a lot of things right, except for acting. I don't know what happened there. But as far as like the ideas that the film presents and the way that it is shot and choreographed is all really well done. For personal enjoyment, I'm going to give it like a four to five out of ten, just because it's not really my cup of tea. I feel like had it been leaning more towards like the philosophical realm of ideas then i would have enjoyed it a lot more personally but i know that's not the type of film that this is and nor would it had been as successful in either time period today or when it was made that is my ratings but that is all we have to say on this episode regent and monster thank you very much for joining i just want to say right quick congratulations on anniversary recording fellas 
Yes. To all the listeners out there, if you don't know, we have now been recording episodes for a little over two years now. So thank you so much to all of our constant listeners, to all of our supporters, people that share the podcast, to people who talk about it with friends, or just those that chime in once or twice. We appreciate every single one of you that listens no matter where you are. You guys are literally the backbone of what we do, and you're the reason as to why we do it. With that, the little bit of statistics to share with you, we are now at 1,783 listens, and we are now being listened to by a very wide range of people. It is too long for me to read at this point, but thank you to each and every single person who has either listened once or listens all the time. You all deserve a very special thank you. Again, thank you so much. But Region and Monster, is there anything you guys want to say to the listeners out there? I want to thank you all as well. Yep, and I want to thank you guys as well, and onward to the next 100 plus episodes we got in the pipeline. All right. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed. Please give the podcast a like, share, review on whichever platform you were probably listening to this episode on. Social media links below, updates on new episodes, conversations to be had with us if you'd like, and recommendations for new TV shows and movies. Again, thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed. Bye. Bye.